What's up, 11 a.m.? How are you guys doing this morning? You guys doing well? Yeah. Happy Memorial Day weekend. Uh, this is an incredible weekend. Can we give it up for all of those who have served us in our armed forces to make sure that we have freedom? Yeah, thank you guys so, so much. You know, this we, we look at it, man, I got a holiday weekend. No, 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 no. We, we, we get the opportunity to honor people that have made a huge difference so we can have freedom. And so, man, we honor you today. Thank you for your sacrifice for our country and for our freedom. We so, so appreciate it. Today, we're in a series called The Habits of Happiness. And we told you a couple of weeks ago that this is kind of a bait and switch series. You know, we, I said, hey, how many of you guys want to know the secrets to happiness? And everybody's like, yeah, I want to know that. And I said, there aren't any. So, uh, and so that is kind of depressing. But we, there is something better than, than happiness. There's this thing called joy that we've been talking about. And so, Today, if you want to open up your Bibles to Philippians chapter 3, we're going to be hanging out in Philippians chapter 3. We've been in a study of the book of Philippians. And uh, as, we're, as you guys are turning there in your Bibles, if you don't have a Bible, you can look at your worship God. If you don't have a worship God, all the, all the scripture will be up on the screen. Um, you know, in my life, I've had some seasons of my life where I have uh, planned some things out in my mind that I thought were going to be legendary. Anybody ever like just played everything out in your mind? Like you looked at a scenario, you looked at a situation, you've gone, you know what? This is how this is going to go, and this is how this is going to go, and this is how it's going to be go, and this is going to end up amazing. Anybody ever had some plans like that? Anybody else ever done that? Am I the only one that? Okay, a bunch of y'all, you guys don't have any dreams or goals in life. Is that what you're telling me? Like there's a few of us, but like I. I like to play scenarios out before they ever happen. And so uh, Shayla and I have known each other since we were 11 years old. How many of y'all know that? that's a long time? Because we're, we're getting up there in age at this point. And so we've known each other since we were little kids. Our families used to vacation together. And so ever since we were 11 years old, I've had this crush on Shayla. So, like, I was the one that was crushing on her, and uh, I, was a, I was a pudgy little kid. And, and so, like, I just, I, had, like, I just had these dreams about one day I'm going to ask Shayla out. And, and finally, when I hit 16, it was a game-changer kind of year for me. When I turned 16, everything changed in life because I was now able to drive, and I had an advantage now that it didn't matter if I was a little chubby or whatever because I got a car for my 16th birthday. And this is what I discovered is that when you're 16 and you have a car, you're hotter than a hot guy that doesn't have a car. So what I learned is that like you got game now that you didn't have, feeling like a pimp, going brush your shoulders off. Like that's how you feel. Like you got some stuff going on in your life. And so I, I, I got some courage up and, and in my mind I'm like, man, you know what? Now is the time to ask Shayla out on a date. You know, I got some things coming up. And so I, I thought to myself, you know what? I'm going to ask Shayla out on a date. And then the next weekend after that is like this dance that, that is going on and this formal that, that our, 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 our school's having. And so what will happen is then after that first date, after that goes, well, I'll ask her that formal and everything will go really well and I'll end up getting a kiss. Like that, that like the goal of a 16-year-old. That's all that, like I just want to get kissed. Okay. And so uh, that was my goal. And so I remember asking Shayla out on a date and I had this entire date planned. Uh, we were going to go to Applebee's to grab, grab some dinner because you're 16. That's, that's like a hot to trot place right there, Applebee's. Come on, two for 20. I mean, you got to be economical at the same time. 
Come on, you guys know you play that out still in your date night, so don't hate on me. And so we went out there, we got some food at Applebee's, and then we were going to go see a movie. And I had the perfect movie picked out for a first date. It was back when Dumb and Dumber first came out. And so we went to go see Dumb and Dumber, and I thought, man, as that movie's going along, man, we're just dying laughing. And I'm thinking to myself, I am so awesome because she is having the best time ever on this date. Not because of me, because of Dumb and Dumber. But I mean, she was laughing. Like, I thought, man, this is awesome. I remember taking her home and dropping her off and, and calling her up the next day and going, hey, I, I would love, you know, this next weekend, we got, we got this formal going on. Would you want to be my date to that? And she goes, yeah, I'd love to be your date for that. And so I thought that, man, I, be, I better up my game because Dumb and Dumber is a lot to, to take on, you know. And so, like, I got to be better than Dumb and Dumber. So I went and I bought a suit. Like 16 years out, old, going and buying a suit. And so I was looking all fly, like a G6, you know, and, and just like, sorry, there's always going to be rap song references in every message, just how we roll here at Coastal. If you don't flow with the rap, that's okay. You can still follow along. It, it, you'll still get the point of it. And so, uh, and so, man, I get dressed up to the nines. Like, I'm feeling like I, like I should be on the cover of GQ. That's how good I look at that moment. And, and, and so I show up at her door, and, and, and I ring the doorbell, and I got a corsage for it. You know, I'm like, I'm going all out. I'm, I, I'm like ready for this night. I've been, I've been playing this night out in my, in my mind for the last six years of my life, five years of my life, like exactly how this is going to go. And, and, and how many of y'all know it doesn't go exactly how I planned it? Like, she opens the door. She ain't happy. I don't know if it was me or if she just wasn't happy in general. We go to, the, we go to this dance, and, and, uh, and it's supposed to be a, a dance, and she doesn't want to dance with me. That's, that's not very good for, for my end. And by the end of the night, I, I take her home, and, and based on what's happened that night, man, it, I, I'm feeling down. Like, I am feeling discouraged. Anybody ever been, like, discouraged after a date like you're like man I'm probably not getting a phone call after that and uh and and I get a phone call from her the next day actually I get a page and I call her back you know because we had pages back then like we we're cool like hey check out my page and uh 911 you know uh for those of you guys that are young you don't even understand what I'm talking about. you're like what is a pager listen there was a never mind um I call her up and she goes TJ you know what uh man that was a great going on a date to Dumb and Dumber, but I, I'm, I'm going to break up with you. And, uh, and not only am I going to break up with you, but I think you should talk to my friend Christina instead. How, you know, how many of y'all know my, all of my hopes, dreams, aspirations, desires just went down the tube that day? Like, I was so happy after that first day. You want to know why? Because happiness is based on happenings. Whatever's happening in your life, if you're living off of happiness, is going to be dictated by your circumstances. But what we're talking about here is we're not talking about your circumstantial elements that are happening. We're talking about something that is much deeper than that. We're talking about joy that in, no matter what your circumstances are, that you can have joy in the midst of your difficulties. And the thing that I love about our God is God knew what he was doing when he created every single one of us. He knew that he was going to put in our bodies some incredible things, and, and he was going to give our body the ability to compensate for some deficiencies in life. Let me give you an example. I have a deficiency in life. It's called I'm bald. The compensation that he gave me is I'm really good looking, you know, and so, so all of y'all that have hair, basically what he said is he said, you, you, you're ugly, okay, and so he gave you hair, okay, like he was compensating, like he can't give it all to one person, it's why I can't preach and sing, like that's just too much talent in one part, 
So, but God knew that. In, in fact, I was doing some studying, and in medical reports and doctors have been studying this. Uh, our brain, certain parts of our brain stop growing at a certain point, but there's one part of our brain that never stops growing. In fact, it has an infinite capacity to grow, and it's the right orbital prefrontal cortex. And researchers actually say that that is the joy center of our brain. And they say when you build up enough strength in that center, it will dictate everything of your life. It is where you have executive control over all the, the functions of, of your emotions and different things. It says, man, that, that joy center can override your emotional feelings. That joy center can override your pain feelings. That joy center can, can override your immunity aspects of your life. And so this one center of our brain, how God designed us, is for it to be able to continue to grow and to expand and to overtake functions of like emotions, immunity, like those are all physical things. He's saying like, listen, I put something internally within you when I designed you that could overcome all the things that impact us and affect us externally. See, he said, I want to give you something that isn't based on external circumstances, but it's an internal thing that's a center called joy in your life. And that's why the Bible says in Nehemiah, do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. He says, man, I want to strengthen this area of your life. And this is an area that can continue to grow and can continue to expand just based on the fact that science not only says that, but God says that as well. And God wants us to enjoy our life. He wants us to know that even though our life may be tough, it might be difficult. We can still have joy in the middle of those circumstances. And so the question is, is, is how is it then that so many people lose their joy? Because we've all met some people that have lost their joy in life. They start off really good. They start off in the beginning of the week full of joy. But it seems as the week goes on, it seems to leak out a little bit. It seems to dissipate a little bit more. And before long, they're kind of just drudging through life, dragging their feet. Shoulder slump, just missing the joy that they once had. And we've been studying this book of Philippians. And this is a book that Paul wrote to the church in Philippi. And he wrote this book, uh, you would think, sitting on the beach in the Caribbean, just having the time of his life by the fact that he's saying, have joy, rejoice, over and over and over again. But we learned over the last couple of weeks that, that Paul is not actually sitting on the beach hanging out, but he's actually imprisoned chained to a Roman centurion awaiting execution. And so in the middle of some difficult circumstances, Paul is saying like, hey, have joy anyways. How does he do that? How does he have uncommon joy? And so in Philippians chapter 3, starting in verse 1, this is what he says. He says, finally, my brothers, uh, which, which I think is pretty, pretty funny because we're only halfway through the book and he's trying to like close out, but we know that he's like a pastor. And so if he's trying to close, that means like another hour of the message. You know what I'm saying? And so it's like, hey, finally, but you, y'all know I'm just gonna keep on going. And so he goes, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same thing to you again. It is a safeguard for you. And so, hey, he's going, hey, finally, in conclusion of what I'm saying, I wanna give you 
some safeguards. I want to give you some parameters. I want to give you some boundaries that if you'll look at will help you to make sure that you don't have your joy stolen from you by certain things in life. And he says, man, it's no problem for me to keep repeating this over and over and over again to you. Because he's trying to teach us a principle that you and I, we can't apply in our lives what we don't remember in life. And so that's why he's telling us to rejoice and have joy and rejoice and have joy and rejoice and have joy over and over and over again. Because the average person hearing it once is never going to remember it. And so he's repetitive like a good teacher. Have joy. Rejoice. And he says, man, I want you to be safeguarded against a couple of things. And he says, watch out for a couple of things in life. And if you're taking notes, he says, watch out for negative people. Watch out for people that are negative in life. In verse 2, he says, watch out for those dogs, those men who do evil, those mutilators of the flesh. He says, watch out for people who have a tendency to always be looking at the negative and bringing you down to their situation. Look out for people that are like dogs out there that are, that are barking a big game, but don't have much bite. They're, they're, they're always trying to get you in a fearful, in a negative situation. And I've, I've experienced some negative people in life. How many of y'all know that negative people are not very fun to be around? Yeah, a couple of you. If you don't know that, um, go to Walmart, okay? You'll... <laughs> Sorry if you work at Walmart, but there's a lot of negative people there. Uh, it's just the easiest place to pick. And so... When I was a little kid, I got kicked out of public school. Uh, I, I was a very violent young man, and I had a tendency to fight. And so I got kicked out of public school. My parents were looking for a school that would take me. Uh, no school would take me except for the Christian school. And the Christian school had to take me because why? They're Christians. They're supposed to love everybody. And so they have an obligation to take the worst kids. And so when you say, oh, man, my kid's going to Christian school, I'm like, that's cool. They're hanging out with the worst kids because that's the only school they can go to. And so... Uh, and so I, I'm in this, this Christian school. My family is not Christian. We, we don't have a relationship with God or anything. And so this, this whole Christian school thing is foreign to me. Like, uh, I understand math and science and reading and spelling and stuff. But then we would have, like, Bible class. And, and I had a teacher, and her name was Miss Kumpf. And Miss Kumpf was the angriest, meanest woman I've ever met in my life. I swear that if, if, if Satan and a demon had a child, it was Miss Kumpf, okay? And... Uh, Miss Kumpf, like in Bible class, like, and, and, and I'd never experienced this before because I, I wasn't, I hadn't really been, I haven't been around church. You know, we come to church and, and, and people sing, like these people up here singing, they're happy, they're smiling, like they're, they're enjoying worshiping God. Miss Kumpf, it didn't sound like she liked to, she enjoyed worshiping God. And so we go to Bible class and, and Bible class, we'd always start off singing songs. And one of the songs that they loved to sing at the school that I went to was this song that says, I got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. And, and Miss Kumpf, this is how she sounded. I got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. And all of us were just sitting there at our desk and we'd be like, where? You know, because like we were, we were wondering where that joy was because we sure as heck weren't seeing it. And she just keeps singing, I got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. She'd just get louder. And then it would go, I got the joy to stay. And we're like, no, please go. Please. And I just remember as a kid thinking, like, if, that, if that's what heaven and joy are like, I don't want none of that. Like, just stole everything out of that, that thing. And there's people that are like that in life that every time you're around them, you feel worse than when you showed up. 
They're robbing you of that thing. And here's the worst part. A lot of times religious people are the worst at this. Like, they're the biggest culprit. They're like, they're, they rob your joy. And that's who Paul is talking about here. He's saying, man, people are coming in. And it's like their life's mission to make you feel horrible, to drag you down to the levels that they're living in. Now, I don't know about you, but I, 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 don't, I can't handle negative people. Like, if you're negative around me, I'm going to drop you like it's hot. Just going to drop. Like, I don't, I don't need any more negative. I get enough negativity with 30 seconds on Facebook then I don't need to invite you into my life for some more. And Paul is warning us that there are people out there that are negative that will derail your joy. In fact, in Galatians, he says, you are running a good race. Like, we are on the right path. And he says, who cut in front of you and kept you from obeying the truth? Who are the people that are cutting in on you and robbing you of joy with their negativity? He says, man, we've got to safeguard against that. And he gives us another safeguard. He says, man, be safeguarded and watch out for legalism. He says, watch out for legalism out there. Because if you start getting involved in this idea of performance-based Christianity, performance-based following Christ, it will always rob you of your joy. Because legalism never sees Jesus as enough. It always says Jesus plus this plus that is going to make you qualified. And that's exactly what's happening right here. When, when Paul says, hey, watch out for those dogs, watch out for those mutilators of the flesh, he's, he's talking about a certain people group called the Judaizers who would come into the church after Paul would leave, and they would go into the people that had just found Christ. They found this amazing relationship with God, and they would go, that's awesome that you have Jesus. But listen, you can't just have Jesus. That's not enough to get you to heaven. In fact, you need to add some things to your Jesus in order for you to get to heaven. And so what we need you to do is we need to take you and help teach you the 619 Pharisaical rules, uh, and we need to impose those on your life. We need you to follow all of those, and listen, hey, all the guys that are out there, listen, we love you and Jesus loves you, but y'all need to be circumcised. To which every dude was like, peace out, love Jesus, don't like you. And Paul's going like, listen, you gotta, you gotta watch out for these people that are always imposing things on you in life. They're, they're trying to get you on this religious mentality. They were trying to make you all about the legalism. And, and we have this tendency, and it's, it's just a social kind of norm, that, that there is this constant tension uh, in the church. It's in our church. It's in every church between like uh, this idea that, man, Jesus came to transform your heart, and the reality of that, man, we want our behavior to change as well. Like, we, we want to see a difference in our life. And so there's this constant tension of, uh, of, is it behavior modification or is it heart transformation? And let me just tell you this. Jesus did not come to this earth and die on a cross to modify your behavior. He didn't come to modify your behavior. He came to transform your heart. And he knew that if he would transform your heart, that your behavior would follow your heart. Not the other way around. And let me explain, because all of us in here at some point have probably dieted. Most people in here have dieted at some point. I've dieted, and this is what happens. You go and you modify your behavior. You're like, I can only eat this and this and this and this. And when you hit your goal, what do you do? You stop dieting, and what happens? All that weight you just lost, you put back on, plus a few more friends. Right? Why? Because you modified your behavior. You didn't transform your life. 
And Jesus wasn't about uh, us modifying our behavior. He's about transforming our heart. And so Paul continues on in verse 3. He says, for it is we who are, uh, are the circumcision, we who worship by the Spirit of God, who glory in Christ Jesus, who put no confidence in the flesh. And he's saying, listen, it's, we do have circumcision. It's not a physical circumcision. It's a spiritual circumcision. Listen, God has circumcised our hearts. He's done something internally. It's not an external thing. And so the salvation thing isn't an add addition thing or a subtraction thing. This salvation thing is a substitution thing. Jesus has changed out my heart for a new heart that is fully devoted to him. And I'm going to devote myself to him. And as I'm devoting myself to him and he's transforming me on the inside, everything on the outside is going to change. Because I can't put my confidence in the outside because the outside is constantly changing. says, don't get caught up in the legalities of all this stuff. Then Paul says, we need to watch out for the substitute. We need to watch out for the substitute. Because here's the deal. The enemy will try to trick you into believing that you can find happiness in things. He's going to try to sell you on something like, if you just have this or achieve this or get to this place in life, then you will be happy. And those things that he's selling you will never bring you the joy. And, and Paul talks about this. He goes, listen, I, I understand about things. He goes th- like this on verse 4. He goes, if anyone else thinks he has reason to put confidence in the flesh, if you think that it's all about those external things, he goes, let me tell you something. He goes, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regards to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for legalistic righteousness, faultless. He says, all those things that everybody thought would bring you joy, they don't. And so we go through and we bind a lot. Man, if I just get that education, then I will be happy. If I just get this house, then I'll be happy. If I'm just in a relationship with that person, that man or that woman, then I'll be happy. Man, if those are my friends, then I'll have significance. If I'm a part of that group or that club or that social status, then at that point, and we buy into this substitute of a lie. That's why Jesus told us in Luke 12, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed, thinking that those things are going to bring significance to your life. He said that a man's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. It's not about achieving all those things, because that's the enemy's ploy to get you. If you achieve, then, and it just never works. So how do we maintain our joy? How do we maintain this in, with all these safeguards up? And he, and he gives us a couple of simple things. He says, number one, we got to keep on knowing. we got to keep on knowing. In verse 8, he says, what is more? I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing. Jesus Christ, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things, I consider them rubbish, that I may gain Christ. And that word knowing right there, if you were to take that word and you were to look at the other places in the Bible where that word is used, the first place that it was ever used is in the context of the relationship between Adam and Eve. And that word knowing there is actually an intimate relationship knowing. It's, it's this intimacy that only comes through this connection that happens almost like in a marriage relationship. And, and, and what Paul is saying is that, man, the thing that we need to know more than anything else is we need to have an intimate relationship with Jesus. It's not about knowing more information about Jesus. It's about actually knowing Jesus. Because we got a church that's far more educated than they are obedient to Jesus. 
Because if they really knew him, they would obey him. But if they only know information about him, they don't really trust him. And Paul continues on in verse 10. He says, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship and the sharing of his sufferings, becoming like him in death. And what he's saying is, man, we got to never stop developing our relationship with Christ because the moment that we stop developing that relationship, we stop knowing him intimately, is the moment that joy starts to be lost in our life. And we know that this is true in any relationship. Anytime we stop the relational element of a relationship, there is distance that grows in that relationship. The minute we stop communicating, there is a distance that happens in that relationship. The, the moment we stop sharing the realities of our life, there is a distance that happens in that relationship. And we've got to keep on knowing God just like we would keep on knowing another person. We've got to spend time. We've got to get in his word. We've got to pray. We've got to develop and hear his voice and respond to his voice. And, and he'll know our voice and respond to our voice. And Paul says we've got to keep on knowing. He says, Keep on knowing. The second thing he encourages us to do is he says, don't stop growing. Because there's one thing that's going to bring you an insurmountable amount of joy in life, and that is this thing called growth. You know, there's a saying that says, there's two days that are really important in your life, the day you're born and the day you discover why. You know what will bring you the greatest joy is understanding that God has got something significant for you and you actually starting to live that out. And Paul starts talking about this in verse 12. He says, not that I've already obtained all this or have been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus has taken hold of me. He's saying, listen, God's got a plan for my life. Man, I've yet to take hold of that, but man, I want that thing. He says, brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what's happened in the past, I strain towards what's ahead. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And Paul reveals this secret to joy, and it's this word called purpose. He says, man, when you discover purpose, it is a game changer for you. And let me give you a secret to how you discover purpose. How many of y'all got problems in here? Got problems. Had a problem. Sitting next to a problem. Don't raise your hand, okay? A lot of us, we hate the fact that we have problems. I mean, most of us, it meant if I could eradicate the problems for your life, how many of y'all would be happy? Yeah, like the rest of you guys are like, no, I, I enjoy suffering. No, uh, I like that verse, fellowship in his sufferings. I pray that every night. You know, no. Like, if, if we could eradicate, you know, problems from people's lives, people would be so ha happy. The problem with that kind of thinking is, is that we're missing out on what problems do. See, problems in your life, difficulties in your life, reveal a problem. And the reason that problem is, your is in your life is because God has got a solution that he wants to bring through you. And that solution is going to help you discover your purpose. Because when you find the solution to a problem, you know what you got now? You got a purpose in life. Because you can not only take that solution for your life, you can take it to some other people's lives and help them find the solution as well. 
And all of a sudden, your life has a whole lot of meaning. It has a whole lot of fulfillment. Why? Because your life is bigger than living just for yourself. It's for other people. And all of a sudden, there's this joy that is overwhelming your life. And that's why James, the brother of Jesus, says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face many kinds of trials. He says, listen, you're going to find more joy in trials than anything else if you figure out that trials are the greatest thing to you discovering your purpose. Because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance, and perseverance must finish its work. What's he saying right there? He's saying, don't stop growing. It's got to finish its work, which means you got to continue to grow and figure that thing out so that you may be mature and complete and not lacking anything. You want to have a life full of joy? Find problems. And discover the purpose of those problems and be a solution to somebody else's problems. You gotta keep on growing. And finally, three there, you gotta know where you're going. You and I, we have got to know where we're going. And we talked about this this first week. Um, if you know Jesus, you realize that, man, we are just passing through. That this earth is not our home. Listen, if you don't know Jesus, this earth, you need it to be awesome because this is all you got in life. Like you need all of your problems to work out because this is the solution to your problems. But if you have Jesus, this is just, this is just a terminal to get to the next flight. Because we all know that this world is jacked up, isn't it? Anybody notice that lately? It's pretty jacked up. But Paul tells us in verse 20, he says, but our citizenship, he says our home, our destination is in heaven. And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. And what Paul was saying is, he's saying, listen, if your hope is here, circumstances are always going to steal your hope and it's going to rob you of joy. But if your hope is in heaven, then it doesn't matter what the circumstances are here because your circumstances are never going to dictate your joy because your joy is found somewhere else and in someone else. And there's no problem that could take away your joy. Peter says he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish spoil or fade kept in heaven for you see everything here on earth whether we like it or not has an expiration date we have an expiration date here on earth everything here is going to spoil it's going to perish or it's going to fade but one thing remains one hope remains that's the hope that we find in Jesus Christ it's the joy that we find in Jesus Christ. And we can have a new birth through Jesus Christ and find joy inexplainable in the midst of the circumstances of our life. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you're a God that gives unbelievable amounts of joy in life. And maybe there's some of us here that we're going through some difficult circumstances in life and it's really easy for those circumstances 
to dictate our attitude. Maybe there's some, some things that we haven't been safeguarding in life. And today we need to recognize that we need, we've allowed some things to come in and rob us of the joy. But today we can restore that joy through putting our hope and our trust in you, through, through knowing you and growing in you and remembering where our home is. And so, God, as we continue to pray and Pastor Steve prays here, that, God, you would fill us with your joy.